From Grain to Glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. This is the best beer show on the internet. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, if you're watching live, I apologize for our late start. Uh, we've had a bunch of weird technical issues that will hopefully stop plaguing us while we're doing the show. <laughs> uh, so I just want to get that out of the way right away. But for our non my listeners, I want to get our ad reads out of the way so we can dive right into the show. We have a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Join the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops, select tap rooms, uh, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Uh, Brian. I'm sure you knew this, but I found out the other day, uh, Hop and Barrel is on the AHA uh, discount list. Yeah, definitely. We are absolutely yeah. AHA members, BA members. Uh, um, yeah, I believe. Uh, M- MBAA members. I, I, yeah, I, I can't remember what the deal is, but uh, I, I remember know. looking at it and being like, oh, that's a cool deal. I think it's like a buck off a pint or something. I like, mean, a, a buck off a pint's a buck off a pint. Yeah, yeah no, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, uh so click on the referral link in the bottom of our homepage and join today. Also, I'm gonna give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our black belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romansky, and Hop and Barrel Brewing. Uh those guys are awesome. And if you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Also, we have a store now, which is very exciting. Oh man, I forgot um, about that. And this has been a long time coming, and I want you to know uh, we have one of our best minds currently working on the no banana shirt, and I've seen, uh, <laughs> I, I've seen, I've seen the initial uh, concept art, and it's awesome. Do that you, will be coming in the next month yeah, or so. Yeah. Do you want to explain that? Uh, so if you go back to our uh, eighty style challenge. Um, most of them have the term no banana in there, and Rick and I found it absolutely hilarious, and a lot of our listeners did too. Uh, so we started making it as kind of an in-joke for uh, Homebrew Bound. So it's good. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a good lot one. of fun. Uh, yeah, so uh, that will be coming soon. If you'd like to check that out, you can either click on the store link at blindindustudios.com or head over to teespring.com slash stores slash blindindustudios. Uh, and check that out. We have some cool stuff. Uh, we currently have some uh, definitely wearing pants pants for the Department of Offense. Uh, so check that out. All right. Uh, we also, uh, I think I think that's that's it for that. So I don't have any more announcements. Um, sorry for the rustiness, guys. This is our first uh, episode of 2021 that we've actually recorded in 2021. So That's, oh my gosh, it has been that long. It has. I suppose. I guess last week we were... Last week we just did uh, Hop and Barrel Happy Hour. Yeah. And we were like, hey, let's just go get beer and food. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brian, what have you been up to, man? Oh, boy. Um, man, lo- so much has gone down uh, at the brewery anyway. Like, I guess beer-related, I think usually I'd, I'm like, oh, what beers have Whoa. I been drinking and whatever. Yeah. But we... You actually had to brew some. <sighs> Or do brewer, brewer work? Yeah, I've I've dry hopped a handful of beers, and I have pulled sacks of wet blueberries out of tanks. Um, Ethan is injured and has been out for a significant amount of time. So, if, dude, yeah, it's, head injuries are not to be trifled with. I'll just lay it out there: we miss him a ton, and he can't really do much in the way of electronics or in the screens and things and, and, you know, just be, be careful with head injuries. Um, 
So it's been really tough without him. You have not had him at the brewery. And then a few weeks after he was injured, our other brewer was injured and rolled a keg onto her foot. So there's another whole, you yeah. know, be careful. Kegs are not to be, you know, it's 165 pounds of danger every time. Team lift, you know, yeah. be careful. The only, the only injured brewer right now is Katie. So it has literally just been Katie, but she's been out of town and she's been handling things very, very well. Taking a well-needed vacation. Yeah, good. she took a week and so Jay and I did a few things here and there. And then um, pilot system came in. So it's about a two-barrel Sabco. Uh, and then uh, the other day, uh, since there are no brewers, I, I show up at the brewery at 7.30 in the morning and the uh, uh, truck that will pick up the beer from our distributor was there at 7.45 and so for a bunch of hours I, you know, I'm loading trucks unloading trucks and the last truck that came were the two fermenters um, two four barrel fermenters Dude, those photos were awesome Well, I New fermenter day is the best day I think you don't really realize like how big stuff is <laughs> when you're t- t- thinking about the dimensions and I don't, they were just larger than I thought they would yeah. be. And I mean, we haven't gotten new fermenters, but the, the gentleman showed up with the truck and he was like, I have some big tanks for you. And I'm like, yeah, you haven't seen big tanks, but like, <laughs> these, these are four barrel. I've helped in, install 60 and 120, and it, they're much larger. So that was fun. And Justin was off at a meeting at a coffee shop, and this truck showed up, and I was at the brewery. Katie was brewing, so she couldn't really get away, and, and it was I texted and was like, yeah, I'm going to need help getting these fermenters off the truck. And we, we got them off the truck. It was um, pants-shittingly fun, as it usually is, to pull giant, expensive metal stainless steel double jacketed tanks off of a truck and get them from up high to down low and get them in and i feel like we call that uh type two fun mm. where it's not fun at the time but after you're done you're like i, was, I, I could do yeah. that again yeah it was it was something else so if that's what i've been doing um we'll get to we'll get to some um recipes and some brewing on on the pilot system in the tank soon so, Casey, All what right. about you? Um, well, uh, honestly, not a ton. I I was cleaning up uh, some, so I, I forgot to like latch uh, one of the things on my fermenter, and a bunch of croissant popped out of my fail brew that I'll talk about at some point. Bummer. Probably when they when we actually talk about that episode. Yeah. Um, but apparently, um, wart once it like cools and hardens on linoleum can cut your thumb so that's fun cereal oh, that's what that band-aid is all about over there okay yeah. uh, cut pretty deep too <laughs> it hurt i don't know you and i both like to work with our hands so i don't usually uh ask you yeah. about what your various hand wounds are yeah, no this one was from uh uh i guess uh wild yeah dehydrated wart wow yeah okay. or i, I guess croisin uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. If it gets flat enough, yep. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, no, it sucked. Uh, but uh, what I actually want to talk about is the beer that we have in front of us. Um, so we have another homebrew on because Casey's been brewing. We've been drinking this for a couple weeks, though. So well, it's... we have. Yeah. 
Uh, but this so, is the first time our, our listeners have heard about it. Yeah, so it's good. it's good to finally talk about yep, it. Yeah. Um, so I've been finally brewing some more, which you guys know. Um, and this was the third beer in the new house. Uh, the first was the Cryo IPA, which dives into what our discussion topic is going to be. So we'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, but this is a crisp, strong bitter. Um, I was one point short on my OG. I came in at 1057, was shooting for 1058. Uh, here's the uh, the recipe. Uh, 72% uh, Maris Otter, uh, 18% Amber, um, 9% Brown, uh, and that's uh, so these are all crisp malts. Yep. Uh, crisp is the malting company the, yep, out of company. England. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did um, an ounce of Fuggle and EKG at 60 minutes. Um, and then an ounce of EKG and Fuggle at 10 minutes was the only hopping in this. Um, and then I fermented with Omega OYL 016 or their British Ale 8. Um, and then I did a couple of water adjustments. Uh, I basically added some gypsum um, and some baking soda and calcium chloride. Okay. Yep. And then this is pouring out of your new. Out of the new uh, tap system yeah, that I've talked about system. with the. Uh, I was. The whole Arduino thing and all that. I was thinking about how decadent it was to just walk up out of the studio here and into the garage and we can pour these big mugs of beer. Yeah. And how cool that is very cool very cool so. um yeah so uh hit ten fifty seven. uh finished out way lower than i anticipated at 1008 she's dry but very dry uh, i was shooting for 1017 <laughs> oops um so, so what what uh what do you think why uh i think it's the yeast okay um also i tend to finish a way drier than i anticipate uh oh mash uh mash wise did a protein rest because mm-hmm. that's now my standard because i have this really cool electric system that my listeners you guys wonderful people uh convinced me to get and it's awesome um and then i uh did a 1052 uh was or i mean 152 was my mash temp okay so on the lower like yep. medium mediumish body what do we always say our acronym is m-a-l-t so more alcohol less temp yep uh and, and so that might have a little to do to with, with why, it, why it's so dry right dried out but mm-hmm. also it's supposed to be a drinkable beer though this is a strong bitter yeah. so it's supposed to be in that so range five percent <laughs> well i'm kidding <laughs> so well actually so i came I, I i modified this recipe after katie uh suggested that i go higher with it because she's like well i would much rather drink a higher alcohol version of that um so hang on, i sure i don't i don't i don't find i mean while you're looking that up i can babble a little bit i don't i don't find it to be overly dry i don't i definitely don't yeah. find it to be there's no solvent in it um i find this to be a very malty delicious affair that um you know there's a little bit less hot bitterness than yep uh, so six and a half percent okay that's what it's at yep okay yeah i don't it, I don't think you're going to find anything solventy at that no, percentage no. anyway, but um yeah, so I guess yeah, what what do you what do you think, Brian? Any notes? I I like the layers of maltiness and I I think in today's world where it's all about just 
you know, it used to be all about like slapping around your tongue at 80 or 90 IBU. And now it's trying to make zero IBU floral beer, which will get into this cryo situation and how, you know, aromatics work and how pushing that's even not the best plan too. But this, there is almost no hop character on the nose. Yep. And flavor-wise, we're talking about multiple layers of maltiness. Yeah, I get, um, on the nose on this, I get uh, like toasted biscuit mm-hmm. and a little bit of toffee. Yep. Maillard is is heavy in this beer and... You know, I, I really appreciate the fact that it is a little bit more on the dry side because yep. then I can kind of pick out uh, a little bit more of the like that the actual malt or bread quality, which I think might get skipped because of some sweetness. Yeah, I can see that for me. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very happy with how how English this turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, Long time listeners will know I have an affinity for English ales. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy them. I like that that malty character. I like the unique malts that we get, specifically with this. Like that Maillard reaction is definitely there. Um, Underrated but, and underused, right? But now. also, like but we get, we get, we get, you get a lot of biscuit. You get, um, I think. A big toffee note from the yeast. Yeah. Um, I'm getting like there's almost like a honeyish character. Oh uh, yeah. In, in like okay. in like the middle, like if you put like honey on a biscuit, mm-hmm. like it, there's like that kind of sweetness in there. It but makes it's sense. Not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Know, I really like this beer. I think the unintentional dryness made this beer into something that I would be more into than a. I can see that a sweet beer. Uh, cloudier than I wished. Yeah, the clarity is not. We quite we could talk want. about yeah. that. It's but I don't. I mean, they obviously can't, people can't see that, but yeah, it, it's cloudier than it should be. But I mean, did you filter it? Did you put findings in it? No, no. So no, I didn't. like, who cares? I care. I know you care. I don't care. I think it drinks great. I know. Well, you you <laughs> wait until I have that logger on next week. All right. <laughs> that beer's clear as shit. Well, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that kind of should we uh, should we dive into cryo? Yeah, let's go. All right, guys. Uh, so this week we are continuing our hop discussion in the new IPA scientific guide to hop and aroma by Mr. Scott Janish, uh, and we are talking about cryo hops. And this is something that I've been interested in since I heard about them because new hops are always exciting and they're different and it's something new to try and experiment around with. Um, and I wish I had read this uh, before I had tried my, or I had brewed my cryo IPA. So for those of you who don't know, my cryo IPA was a 100% cryo hopped beer. Um, the only non-cryo that went in was a hop shot for bittering and then everything else was late edition. Um, and I have that recipe here. I can talk about that for just a quick second. Mm-hmm. Uh, 50, 50% uh, two-row, um, 35% Maris Otter, uh, 8% Carafoam, and then 5% uh, Munich 10L. Um, and then I did a hop shot, and then I did a hop stand with half an, o- or half an ounce of Cryo Citra, half an ounce of Cryo Mosaic. Um, and then I did a double dry hop of a quarter ounce of each in each one. Uh, one at high croissant and then one two days before packaging, uh, and then uh, did a did Omega's OYL 062 uh, Kvike strain. So you did a a cryo at high croissant. Yep. This will become pertinent in in a minute as yep. we get as going as we here. start talking about but, this. Yeah. 
As um, it sits, though, cryo hops were developed by Yakima Chief uh, Hop Union. Uh, they're designed for brewers to get approximately twice the concentration of resin content of traditional T90 hop yeah, pellets. Yeah, so uh, the... But, the, well, with less oh, of the plant material here. Yeah. So uh, cryo, the cryo-making process, you can see this on uh, Yakima Chief's website, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of read it verbatim here yeah, so everybody it, knows where we're on. Uh, whole hop cones are separated into concentrated lupulin and bracked uh, at extremely low temperatures, preserving each component of the hop. Nothing is crushed. Uh, Lupil LN2 offers brewers approximately twice the concentration of resin content of traditional T90 hop pellets and should be dosed at approximately half the amount by weight. Brewers should note that Lupil LN2 will create intense hop flavor and aroma with reduced vegetal and polyphenol uh, flavor contributions because the leafy uh, plant material has been removed. The flavor profile of Lupul NL2 or LN2 uh, is variety specific, but more pronounced due to the concentration. Lupul LN2 is available in hot powder and hot pellet form. It can be applied anywhere in the brewery, but early kettle uh, recommendations are, are not recommended for risk of boiling out the intense aroma. There's some typos in there, but we'll <laughs> in the book or yeah. Oh, I don't know if I noticed that. I, I kind of skipped over them in my head when you read them out loud. It's yeah, that's fine, and that's I kind of like I like that kind of thing. I this book is self published, I believe. Uh, no, it's a or, brewer publication. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Well, whatever. Let's get next. And Stan Hieronymus did a forward to this, and I there are this book is like full of typos, and it's fine. Yeah. I like that kind of thing. I just. Uh, yeah, so that's like so when we're talking cryo hops, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Basically, um, the the lupulin powder has been removed from the the, pe- the only like if you look at mine, the only thing I underlined in that little thing you just read was nothing is crushed, and yep. you know, and that's great. Uh, they kind of like push into like brewery experience of this um, after that, and so I mean, you can kind of like give these hops to these younger not younger breweries but younger product to these breweries and you know they can give their recommendation um, which is what they've done but one of the recommendations is to replace approximately 30 to 50 percent of a dry hop charge with cryo and then the rest with traditional pellets yeah so um we talked with justin a little bit last week after the hop and barrel happy hour um and you've tried this this cryo ipa i we would be trying it right now except it's gone uh, <laughs> <laughs> we drank it we we did uh so the the kind of the recommendation is or the the what we saw was it's kind of one note um what we what we rec- what we saw with this was you get a lot more floral character out of these uh, cryo hops than you do uh, than you do out of the actual like the T ninety pellet with the plant matter in it. So your like the mosaic that we were getting wasn't like your traditional mosaic. It tasted different. Yeah. Not in a bad way. It was just different. But why was that? Uh, because the plant matter wasn't there, and yeah. we can. Talk about how I think this is the appropriate time to talk about it because yeah. the, the the ratio of thirty to fifty percent of the dry hop charge with cryo seems to bridge the gap of softer fruit aromatic from the pellets with the brighter, more rounded, like intense aroma from cryo. So mm-hmm. we say like it's like if you get if you get a steak um, that's 
you know, cooked to perfection and on a grill versus cooking a steak in a microwave. You're going to get more flavor cooking it on the grill. Well, and so I I think uh I think like a a good um and this this is going to sound weird to people who don't who don't cook. Uh well it's just, I mean just this but like so uh with the, with the way I look at this is cryo is like using a sous vide at first and then yeah. finishing on the grill. So okay. well there you go. Yeah. yeah so yeah. same Yeah, we'll, no same thing like so you're apply. so you're you're getting um a lot of just like that pure hop extract like that that pure aroma and flavor. Um but you still want the the imperfections make it better. That's, Does that make sense? Like yes. Yeah. I, that's what I was getting at. Okay. Like. Um, yeah. So like when, when <laughs> yeah when when you have when you have that vegetal material, um, you get uh, well. So going down like when we, what we've talked about before is with the the vegetal material we get like hop creep, which is we're, we're um, isomerizing alpha acids even in the fermentation. We are we're pulling out polyphenols. We're uh, like we're deriving more bitterness and different flavors from all of these other compounds. Well, in there. aroma aroma is great, and that's olfactory as a big piece of taste. Yep. But when it comes down to taste, if that's one dimensional, you're not going to get the same experience. And so having these like a little bit, maybe a little bit of greediness. You know, or a little like mouthfeel is the word I'm just about to go towards. So yeah. having a little bit of that is is super important. And so being aroma heavy in in these days is very important. But having that tongue slapping ninety IBU is not. So when we we're bridging the gap here, yeah, we're trying to find that. Yeah, that uh, yeah. I don't know what the right word is there, but. You, you guys understand either. what I'm saying? <laughs> no, uh, but like it's it's super interesting. Like when we're talking about cryo hops, and we're we're reaching a little bit on this subject. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie to you guys because it's something that we both have a little bit of experience with, but we haven't completely dug into. And there's not a ton to say about it. I haven't it's here. I haven't used cryo commercially. Uh, it's here, and here is. Like, here's a tool that you can add to your toolbox to push out a little bit more aroma, push out some different flavors, and use that 30 to 50% as, like, a rule of thumb. Because um, we've learned with a 100% cryo beer, everything becomes one note because you don't have those imp- imp- imperfections in there, that vegetal matter, to help change stuff around. Yep, and then there's like a there's a couple of troublesome pieces too with using a powder versus a pellet form. So cro- uh, at the homebrew level, I think only pellets are available. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's that's all I've encountered from Yakima Chief. Yeah, um, no, I thought that there were very few breweries that were even. Well, yeah. So getting cryo. When, when when they when they started doing cryo. Um, they were testing like powder versus pellet. Sierra Nevada. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the pellet, or I mean the powder, tended to float on top of the beer, mm-hmm. and like they had to agitate it to get it uh, to get to have that surface area. Agitate or the recirculation piece, but yeah. when when you then I don't know we've had arguments about like aeration to or shearing from an impeller on a pump is another right. thing to think about. Um, so, you know, it's recirculation or CO2 bursting, like in the bottom of the fermenter agitation. And then 
you know, it's like had yeast been dumped, yes, there's still some yeast floating around too, probably. Yeah. Um, but cryo, I don't know if we wanted to move on to this part. Yeah, go ahead. Cryo might result in faster hop extraction times because it's more likely to stay in suspension than pellets and has less vegetal material potentially showing extraction, but you have to do something to get it into suspension because that was you know, the piece I was talking about earlier is that if you start putting this, you have to open the top of the tank and dump the hops in and the powder is going to sit on top of the croissant or, you know, yeah. or whatever is going on on top of the pellets. They're just going to dump down to the bottom. When, and then they're going to raise back up because right. that's how it works. And then you get your better extraction, which is why I right. think uh, they've pretty much moved to doing it. We're pelletizing all of the cryo hop, mm-hmm. uh, at least most of it. And, it, it works a lot better. Yeah. Um, so at a homebrew level, you don't really need to worry about this too much because you're going to be seeing those. Uh, they're not T90, but like they look exactly like T90 hops, uh, which is a little disappointing. Like the looks first, the like first rabbit time. food. Well, so like the first time I opened up cryo hops. <laughs> what did I you did, want it to look like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I wanted it to look different. It just look like rabbit pellets. And I, yeah. I opened it up and I'm like, ah, it just looks like hot pellets. It's a little disappointing. Well, they can't make it a star shape. But yeah, then like you get to add half as much. And uh, so that's the other thing. Like if you're doing a dry hop with this, um, you can dry hop it at a rate of fifty percent. So if if you were go if you were um, so say you would swap out like an ounce of your your mosaic for and you wanted to like do fifty percent of that with uh, cryo, you would do a quarter of an ounce of cryo. Okay. Uh, or I mean half an ounce. Like, yeah. So it's fifty percent. So. If you're swapping out an ounce, you do half an ounce. That makes sense. Yes. I was thinking like if you're gonna do fifty fifty, you do, um, like, yeah, you would do a quarter or half an ounce of regular T ninety and then a quarter ounce of cryo. Right. So I I think here the plus side is, and maybe we went past this, but I was looking at my notes. But once you get the powder into the beer, it doesn't want to drop out. Yep. Which thirty minutes of research and uh, that hop sheen. Which right. we haven't really talked about yet, uh, and I believe that's coming up, like I, that hop oil sheen. I'm assuming it is, yeah. But yeah, 30 minutes of recirc would, would be nearly full extraction with the powder, which is insane because if you don't do that, it sits there and it like took two days, is what they were saying mm-hmm. anecdotally in this book. But another thing is that uh, one of the breweries found out that the potential downside of using large amounts of cryo powder was without running it through their centrifuge, which I don't know, man, like we, I don't, we don't have, I know of a few craft breweries that have a, a fuge, but I mean, we don't have enough room for one. Bjorn keeps trying to get you to get one. So <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if he's got, you know, a uh, hundred grand, then uh, <laughs> I'm into it, but, uh, but yeah, it'll provide like a little gritty mouthfeel without that. So I know I've never experienced it in any of the, in the beers that haven't been centrifuged that have used this. But. No, I, I'd be curious, though, um, to see, like, what would happen with something like Space Force, with, mm-hmm. um, like, part of the dry hop being cryo, and that would be something that you could test out on your um, your pilot system. Like. Yeah, and, you know, it's 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 more aroma and it's more yield, and then also in this... Well, so that, yeah, that's the other thing that we didn't talk about is yield. Well, in, in this book, he... 
he's saying, oh, this extra yield is equivalent to an additional 248 pints per batch, which I'm assuming that he's talking about 124 point, 124 pints times two, which is 248. Um, they, I think if you if you can actually like and and then, so that's that's one full barrel. barrel. Yeah, they they pulled an extra barrel off. But I don't know, man. Like if you can get a uh, 124 pints out of every one of your half barrel kegs like you, you let me know <laughs> no but even then it's, it's like, probably like 25 percent less than that no but even even if you can pull an extra barrel out of each batch oh though, that's 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 a lot of money because yeah. do 248 times six dollars that's how much our pint is that's how much more money you'd make yeah so but at a homebrew level like who cares it's just more that you get to drink so yeah but i mean at the commercial level like it's potentially a game changer yes like, very definitely yeah. especially if you're doing more than 15 or you in these cases it, it looks like a lot of the testing was a 30 barrel situation so um but it, anyway uh so the the thing we're kind of looking at now is that it, it we move on to cryo dry hop beers will likely result in fewer extraction of humulones and will not strip as many iso-alpha acids due yep. to less vegetal material. And we, so, we've touched on that a bit. Um, I yep. think, like, but despite having that less vegetal material, cryo-hop beers uh, were tested to still impart significant numbers of polyphenols, which we talked mm -hmm. about in the last chapter, um, comparable to a later dry hop addition with traditional pellets. So you're still getting these polyphenols if that's if that's what you're worried about. Um but because you don't have the vegetal matter, which can start stripping, and we talked about like a bunch of different like that. That science is super interesting. Please listen to that episode where we go into much more detail on that. Um, yeah, less but, polyphenol, less vegetal material. Yeah, that's how that works. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just uh, I feel like we've kind of touched on cryo as much as we have the ability to. I don't know what um, else to say. Yeah, no, <laughs> and that's and that's fine. Uh, try it. Experiment with it. That's all I can say. You like it's. It's a lot of fun, and you there, get there massive were, aroma punches. If you're reading this book, uh, there are a couple of um, tests that were that they were doing, and and it was a sort of oh, we did this, but we wish we would have done this. This. So as I always say, Marshall Shot from Brewlosophy probably has some cool experiments, and then also this book is. Very new, which is ultimately why we've been... I love how, like, dog-eared your copy is now. And mine's getting there, <laughs> like... Pencil and... I, I don't know, man. I think this book has been a gigantic game-changer for, I think, all three of us. You, oh, 100%. You and Katie and I. And, like, Katie and I will go into a meeting on Monday morning after recording this podcast on Sunday, and we'll start kind of talking to Justin, like, oh, well, this and that. And, and, and that's what caused us to go to like a quadruple dry hopping <laughs> right yeah more in, like in smaller amounts more frequently you see double ddh double dry hop on cans everywhere well i mean a lot of our stuff is quadruple dry hop now and a lot of it has to do with this book so um check it out all right well uh before we get out of here we have some listener mail oh, we definitely do we do uh it's very exciting 
I know we're at 30 minutes now, but we're gonna we're gonna plow through this anyway. This will be short. Yeah. All right. So uh, Michael wrote in: Is there a reason we don't bottle beer in plastic? I'd assume so, but can't seem to find good answers in my standard homebrew library. Yeah. The brown glass is good for preventing skunking, right? But why don't we do opaque plastic? Is it a cost thing for breweries? I uh, would love to hear a bit about the topic of pros and cons of different bottling solutions. I keg about half the time. Uh, but love the portability of bottling. Giving out my brews to friends is half the fun. All right. Uh, well, Michael, uh, so as far as different bottling solutions, we're going to be talking a little bit more in depth on that, I think, next week or the week after. Uh, we we have like a little canning show, canning work, episode, yeah. which is going to be a whole thing. But as far as bottling and plastic, that is done quite a bit, actually. Um, uh, Australia, for whatever reason, I believe it's. I, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's. Uh, I think it's just like a cost thing. Uh, they do a lot of PET bottles, like mm-hmm. they're brown PET bottles. Uh, if you buy like a Cooper's Ale kit, that's what it comes with. Uh, Mister Beer here in the states does the same thing. They come with these brown plastic bottles. Uh, and honestly, it's a really great way of going about it. They are fine if you don't keep them in there for a really long time because we've got to look at, like I said, when we were talking at... Uh, oxygen permeability. Yeah, oxygen permeability um, is the huge piece of it. So plastic and glass are actually both liquids. I don't you know if you want to get down to it. And they both have very high viscosity, which is why they pretty much behave as solid. So glass is more viscous. Um it's better at containing what you put into it. Um, what you need to think about here is the corrosive effects of the alcohol. So you're, if you leave your beer in a plastic bottle for long enough, it's going to be flat because the CO2 is going to permeate. So you got to also, and then, like I said, factor in the corrosive effect so that like regular Coke is, is pretty <laughs> corrosive to, yeah. to certain things, but not to this plastic um, so like Coke could probably sit in a bottle for decades without affecting it, but beer and wine, it would just eat because it. it has the alcohol. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so PET bottles out there, um, I sent you a couple of links, uh, to look at those. I think they're fantastic, uh, especially for short term, like if you're like doing IPAs and stuff. Short term. Absolutely. Uh, use them like, and then you can bring them to the beach. You can bring them tubing. Yeah. Like you get a pack lot more. Pack out. Yep. And we talked a little bit, you and I, about uh, Heineken had for what the Olympics had made yeah. like a million, one million bottles of Heineken in plastic because they didn't want to hand uh, a bunch of people who are all from different com- countries watching. A weapon. Right. It's a tiny glass club, or if you smash it, it's a tiny glass knife. So. There's that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So PET is out there. Uh, if you're doing that, uh, if short, you, term. Short, short term. Short short term. Uh, make sure it's a food grade plastic bottle. Um, and reusing them, like we always say, with plastic. Uh, if there's little micro scratches, you're gonna yeah. run into trouble with. But at the same time, infection. it's it's also way easier to cap uh, because you screw on. Yeah. Like so, there's there's a lot of pros to these. Uh, they're cheap. That's another one. Um, they're extremely recyclable. I think they're more recyclable than glass. I feel like those brown plastic bottles have been around forever. Like you, yep. you've all like, if you look at any homebrew site, you've always pretty much always been able to get those. Yep, uh, but they're not as pushed as much as glass because glass has. Like, True. I don't know. It it. There's something about cracking a cap off of a glass beer bottle that 
just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 snapping a can of beer open, that's Well, and we'll get to that more next week. Whoosh. But yeah, yeah. That's a whole thing. All right, guys. Uh I think I think that wraps up, Michael. I hope we answered your question. Uh, Thank you for the questions too, by the oh, way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and you know, as usual, like we we haven't, you know, Bjorn. Thanks to uh, yeah, Bjorn. I mean, we have three episodes coming out that are just yeah, about your questions. Pretty much. So, <laughs> <laughs> so have, if you have questions, <laughs> let us know. All right, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com. So, Blinders Studios. You can follow us on Twitter at Blinders or Ninja. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.